I'm Cecilia Lay, and this is Fifth Emission. When San Francisco held its first Pride event in 1970, it was a humble affair. There were only a few hundred people who marched down Polk Street. Since then, it's ballooned into a local tradition that represents the city as much as cable cars or sky-high rents. After a two-year pandemic hiatus, Pride returned in person with a bang last year. Crowds reached up to 500,000 people. You might be wondering why we're talking about this summer tradition when it's still months away. The LGBTQ community has been under a growing wave of attacks. Over the past three years, Republican state lawmakers across the country have introduced bills to limit the ways that transgender youths can play sports, use the bathroom, and receive medical care. Right now, there are more than 150 proposed anti-transgender bills in at least 25 U.S. states. As the crown jewel event that helps mark San Francisco as the mecca of the LGBTQ population, SF Pride is having to confront these challenges. SF Pride leaders have also had to weigh in on thorny local debates around issues like policing and community safety. Now the organization has a new leader at its helm. In November, the board elected its president, Win Pham, the first gay Vietnamese man to hold the position. Today on Fifth Emission, Pham joins me to discuss what leading SF Pride means now, at a time when the community is facing broad attacks on both the legislative and community level. How is he thinking about his leadership, and what can we expect from Pride this year? Win Pham, welcome to Fifth Emission. Glad to be here. When SF Pride is such a Bay Area tradition for many people, I remember going to it as a kid and then coming out to the city in high school and college. What's your earliest memory of SF Pride? So SF Pride has now been around for 53 years. This will be our 53rd anniversary season this coming June. My earliest recollection with SF Pride was right around the end of high school for me. I grew up and was born in Silicon Valley, and I went to my first SF Pride parade back in 2000. That year, I had just founded my high school's Gay Straight Alliance, or GSA. They're now known as Gender Sexualities Alliances. And I marched with the GSA network in the Pride Parade itself. That was my first time at the parade. I've been a participant in the parade, and I've never missed a year ever since. So what has SF Pride come to mean for you personally? For me, SF Pride is first and foremost a celebration as well as a protest. You know, they oftentimes say party is a mode of protest, and SF Pride started as a riot. We still retain that energy. And beyond that, we provide a platform for all the voices across our gorgeous and diverse community, whether it's those who want to speak out about reproductive rights or those who want to center Black trans lives. We have a space for those really marginalized voices just to be centered and uplifted and affirmed. And that's what SF Pride means to me. At the same time, San Francisco, especially right now, it feels like it's under a lot of pressure and scrutiny. There's so many big problems we have to contend with, homelessness, the drug and housing crises. What do you think the role of SF Pride is in the city in this kind of moment? So you're right that it is a very interesting, peculiar moment for San Francisco with these broader structural issues, and especially when there are people in our own city and county that might not feel visible and might actually feel intentionally invisibilized. We know what that feels as a community. We are often marginalized, erased, and excluded, 
So we can certainly empathize with those broader structural issues in the city. How we see our role in the interplay of that is continuing to be who we are. Again, we are going into our 53rd year as the crown jewel of the LGBTQ community in the Bay Area and beyond. And our job is to ensure that all the voices that want to be at the table are at the table. Mm -hmm. We still matter. SF Pride will not go away. And we are here for you. Mm. Now, when you're the first Vietnamese gay man to serve as SF Pride's president, how does that make your leadership different from those of years prior? I'm very proud to be the first Vietnamese person in the role of president at SF Pride. I take this job very, very seriously. And equally, I think it's important for top leadership in an organization to reflect the community which it serves. I fully acknowledge that a solid third of San Franciscans are of AAPI descent. So I am honored that I can be reflective of the broader community throughout San Francisco. Now, how that informs my leadership is, and I think you can relate to this too, Cecilia, being a person of AAPI descent, we can't ignore the fact that anti-AAPI violence has been starkly on the rise, especially since pandemic. I think we have approximately just shy of a 600% year-over-year increase in anti-AAPI violence just in this city. And so you know that when I approach my work with SF Pride, I have that at the center of my heart and of my mind. I want to ensure that not only do I represent the broader AAPI community as effectively as possible, but also that I'm bringing the right level of empathy and understanding to these struggles that we're facing on a day-to-day basis. Mm -hmm. So because of that, I take a very radically inclusive approach to my leadership at SF Pride. Because the LGBTQ community, while it is infinitely diverse right here in San Francisco, we do not operate in a silo. And we fully understand our interdependence and interconnectedness with all these broader communities. Mm. Now, we have to address the backdrop of what's going on around the country, which is Conservative states across the country are passing anti-trans bills. In the last three years, 18 states have banned trans girls from participating in girls' school sports. Four states have banned care for trans youths. We're also seeing things like repeated harassment at drag queen story hours, also here in the Bay Area. So in a progressive city like San Francisco, what do you think an organization like SF Pride can do to sort of dismantle these narratives that are happening all over the country. I'll say that SF Pride sees ourselves as an effective voice against that very harmful anti-LGBTQ narrative that's plaguing our nation and conservative states. And we do this by ensuring that we are fully and radically inclusive of all the voices that want to participate. Equally, we want to uplift and center the fact that we are everywhere Chances are, if you live here in the United States of America, you know a person who is LGBTQ, whether or not they are open about it. And so we see the platform that we create for all of these beautiful, diverse voices to be a very effective symbol that our community can reach into the spaces that you might not expect. I think our heart and soul as an organization, simply by existing, is a very critical and 
beautiful way to counter this very harmful narrative. With all the anti-trans legislation being passed across the country, does that shape your priorities as a leader for SF Pride? As a leader at SF Pride, I am constantly informed that the anti-trans movement is picking up steam, and it has been for quite some time. And we're countering that very intentionally. Right now, we have a near trans majority of our board of directors. We have six out of our 13 board members are openly trans. Mm -hmm. And on my executive committee, we have a solid majority as well. We have three out of four of us are trans. I'm the only cisgender person in our executive committee. Equally, our staff has only one cisgender person on it. Because we see our trans siblings as the most marginalized and most impacted and most neglected of our community, we're taking intentional steps against that. More with SF Pride President Win Pham after a quick break. Last year, the organization had to go head-to-head with SFPD over the presence of uniformed police officers at Pride. How does FAM want to move forward from that controversy? And don't forget our 1,000th episode live taping at Manny's in the Mission on February 16th. For tickets and info, go to welcometomannies.com. We'll be right back. Did you know the number one way people discover new podcasts is word of mouth from their friends? So if you enjoy Fifth Emission, we'd love it if you tell someone about our show, even if it's just one person. Thanks for helping us make new friends. I'm back with Wynn Pham, president of SF Pride. When Pride made a big comeback last year, it was in person after a two-year pandemic hiatus, but it came back with some controversy. We talked about it on the show last May with Interim Executive Director Suzanne Ford. Originally, Pride did not want uniformed police officers to march in the event because of the historical tensions between the LGBTQ community and the police Let's listen to a little bit of what Suzanne had to say back then. There are groups in our community that have a history of oppression by police. And, you know, our job at San Francisco Pride is to make sure all voices are heard. And that's what we're, we're trying to make sure that we're practicing harm reduction and that everyone can come to the parade and feel included and feel like they are seen. When there was some back and forth and eventually a compromise was made, on-duty responders were able to wear their uniforms after all. Pride was born as, you know, sort of an activist movement born out of conflicts between the LGBTQ community and the police. What's sort of your take of last year's controversy? Last year's controversy and eventual compromise was an interesting moment for the organization and ultimately a beneficial one. Speaking more broadly, we do have guidelines for all participants in our parade and celebration. And we were thrilled that our first responders were eager to continue participating, were excited that they still want to keep on coming back. And we do look forward to continuing with the agreements that were set forth in that very critical and wonderful moment last year. Mm-hmm. And during that time, Mayor Lennon Breed initially had said she refused to participate in Pride unless uniformed police officers were able to march. Tell me a little bit more about the significance of the mayor's relationship with SF Pride. 
we do view the relationships between the mayor and her various departments to be critical to the successful operation of this city. We want the city to run harmoniously. And equally, the relationship between SF Pride and the mayor is a pretty positive one. Every year at the start of Pride Month, the mayor hosts her own flag raising. It's the raising of the rainbow flag from her balcony. And she invites all of our LGBTQ luminaries as well as SF Pride to attend, as well as some of us to speak on behalf of our various spaces. We are thrilled that it did happen the way that it did last year at the right moments. And we just want our 53rd year as SF Pride to go off as effectively and harmoniously as possible for all involved. And how do you respond to criticisms that SF Pride has received over the years of, you know, it's become very corporate. You know, a lot of sponsors like to attach their brand and logo to SF Pride, you know, for DEI purposes and other things like that. How do you sort of balance your fiscal priorities with the original philosophy of SF Pride? At SF Pride, we see our philosophy as an organization as well as the means by which we achieve that to work hand in hand. Yes, we do accept contributions and donations from our corporate partners, and those have proven to be sort of the lifeblood of our operation, of our experience. Mm -hmm. Recently, I am taking my leadership to task in sort of reimagining that, and trying to diversify our revenue streams. I think that the criticism that we've received in past recent years, it's not unfounded. We do have plenty of corporate support that figures very considerably into our budget. And we are taking intentional steps to try to stymie that a little bit in a positive way. Mm-hmm. We, we are seeking individual donors and community support and also civic support. And especially on that note, I believe the estimate just under a year ago about the economic impact of SF Pride was right around $250 million to the local economy over the course of our weekend. Mm -hmm. That's hotel revenue, tourism revenue, bars and restaurants. That's nothing to sneeze at. Mm -hmm. And so we're looking for some support from the city of San Francisco to acknowledge that we are an economic driver. We bring a lot of economic vitality and vibrancy to the city every time we produce this event. And we are worthy of support Mm -hmm. from our civic leaders. So that could help us to turn the tide a little bit and reset the balance between our corporate supports and all the support that we can receive from other sources. Mm -hmm. Now, You know, on our show, we've also talked about other kinds of issues facing San Francisco's LGBTQ community, things like housing security for LGBTQ elders in the Castro. Cleve Jones was on to talk about that. The future of the iconic Castro Theater, who is now under new management. People have some feelings about that, too. What are some other local issues that maybe you're thinking about? So a place where we're intersecting with a broader structural issue would, for example, be small businesses here in San Francisco. We all know that during a pandemic, a lot of businesses had to shutter simply because there was no business. People were forced to stay at home. We're thankful that many of our queer-owned and operated businesses here in SF have remained viable and are still around. And we want to make sure that they stay around. 
So I'll give you a quick example. We are on the precipice of launching a brand new membership program called the Commerce Membership, where SF Pride can partner with small local businesses and uplift and elevate them in the broader community in an effort to point more business to them. Those spaces, those key restaurants, bars, and queer-owned businesses, even florists, those are so precious to our community. And we want to do what we can to ensure their continued survivability and their continued thriving. And so that's one way that SF Pride is, in my opinion, very positively inserting itself into these broader issues that are addressable with just a little bit of intention and a lot of hard work. Mm, yeah, that's such an important issue. When what can we look forward to in this year's Pride celebration? As you mentioned, it's the 53rd one. What are you most excited about? So first and foremost, I'm excited just to do this again since pandemic. Last year was our very first year since lockdown. That was the thrill of a lifetime. And now I just want to prove that we can do it again. Equally, we are looking to reimagine the Pride experience just a little bit. The footprint will pretty much stay the same. We're still going to have our absolutely fabulous parade up Market Street on Sunday morning, and we will have the celebration site that takes over Civic Center both Saturday and Sunday. We are also still going to retain our focus on local queer talent because we think that our homegrown talent right here in the Bay Area is second to none the world throughout. and we're looking to approach this model called Pride 365. We want to decentralize Pride from just being one weekend every June. While it's so fun, it's kind of not enough. So I think what we can expect more broadly are activations throughout the year. You'll see, for example, what we call the Ken Jones Awards Reception, where we honor local luminaries in the fall season. Equally, we currently still have the first and only PGA-endorsed queer golf event, which we called the SF Pride Golf Tournament Fundraiser. So you can see that there is an intentional effort not only to continue SF Pride as the celebration and event that we all know and love, and to expand it beyond just two, two short days every June. Mm. Well, when so much to look forward to, thank you so much for taking the time to speak with me. I appreciate it. My pleasure. And pretty soon we'll be saying happy pride to everybody. Can't wait. Win Pham is the president of San Francisco Pride. For more information about upcoming pride events, visit sfpride.org or check out their Instagram page at San Francisco Pride. Thank you to King Kaufman for editing this episode and to you for listening. <laughs>